Good afternoon, friends. Welcome to another grand and glorious day in the best little city in America, Sioux Falls, South Dakota. How about we spend a couple days here, a couple days, a couple hours. I've been gone a couple of days, that's what happened, on the Patrick Lally Show. Engaged in some energetic and entertaining conversation on local, state, national news and politics. We'll talk, uh, well, we got some other stuff going on too, but that's a, it's a lot of politics here. Because it's the, it's the season, tis the season for politics. Because we've got a primary coming up and we got all kinds of good stuff going on. Uber producer Dan Peters is in studio with us today. As always, most days, thanks for spending some time with us. We really do appreciate it, whether you're out driving around listening on the radio at Information 1000, KSOO. Maybe you're streamed live at KSO.com or the much ballyhooed and much in-demand KSO mobile app. Please go out, download it. We need you, people. Just go to go to any app store that you use, and you get the free KSO download. Couldn't be easier to find it. You just type in KSOO, because that doesn't mean anything other than this radio station and some rather odd uh, Japanese stuff on YouTube. But don't worry about that. You're not going to find that in the app store. Just go KSOO, and then you get your one touch streaming, so you can listen live to this program or maybe. Chad and Beth on the uh, Main Street Cafe, mornings from 5 to 8. You catch them or any of the other fine programming we have here on this station. Remember, you can always follow along on Facebook Live. If you want to see inside the studio, you watch me talk while you uh, do other things. I don't know. You, maybe you can comment there. It's fun. And some people are visual. They like that visual confirmation that, yes, you are in front of the microphone speaking into it. Imparting your wisdom upon the masses. See my bald visage. Visage, that's the right word, isn't it? Yes. Visage. Yes, of course. In that in that song Billy for Billy Idol, it was the uh, visage. <laughs> Eyes without a face. My visage. Uh, it is profile because I always put the, the camera off to my left. And uh, so every once in a while I do this. I turn and look at the camera. Just for fun. Or like during commercials, sometimes I'll talk to the camera. You know, when we have guests and such, Dan comes over here into the studio and we chat off, you know, off air, as we like to say. So you can go to Facebook Live there and chat with us. Always fun. Uh, Or Twitter. You know, the Twitter is always there for you. At P. Lally Show. P-L-A-L-L-E-Y-S-H-O-W. Just like it sounds. P. Lally Show. Uh, you know, I was going to talk about the weekend, Dan, because I had a great weekend, but I want to mention one thing first. When I was coming over to work today, just out 57th and Western, not Western, that's Louise, 57th and Louise. Yes. I see, I'm, I'm sitting at the light and I look to my right and I see a young woman. She's got, uh, I think she had headphones in. She's eaten a sub. She's got a pop in one hand and a sub in the other. And then I see her put down pop and she brings up her phone i'm like oh here we go while she's driving well she's sitting at the light you know which i'm like ah here we go the old texting while driving and the other day i actually did pull up next to somebody who was texting while driving going down 57th street hit the horn a bunch of times and pointed down you know on the phone ma'am and uh she did so i i felt like i was doing my civic duty but today this young lady did something i've never seen before oh wow i gotta hear this so she picks up the phone and does a few things with her thumb you know she's and then she turns it sideways i'm like what is she doing then she puts it like in front of the speedometer you know on the dash and she's i figured out she's watching a video or something uh while through the hole in the steering wheel while She's sitting there eating her sub. And, and drinking a soda. Drinking a soda. she have a cigarette, too, while she was at it? For <laughs> crying out awesome. loud. If she would have had a heater hanging out on one side, that would have been the best. But she didn't. And uh, so we're sitting there, and I'm like, okay, what's she going to do when the light turns green, right? she going to see it? Whatever. So I kind of wait, and and light turns green. I start moving. She doesn't move. And then she starts moving. But she's still looking at the phone. So she's watching a video, eating a sub, got the, got the cola over here, and driving the car. 
She must have one of those unlimited data plans or something <laughs> to be able to watch all that, you know, watch a video while doing all that. Oh my God! And and probably the square trade too, so that in case she spills a soda and someone hits her from behind because she's not going so too fast enough to be in traffic, it you know spills all over her phone. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, I was I was appalled and amazed all at the same time. I've never. I I hope she put down something or like the phone fell off or something in the very early stages i had to turn so i didn't see what happened after that but to be continued uh, well maybe we'll see here's something on the scanner a little later about uh what's going on there um i have to mention too uh, a good friend of mine uh molly clark oyen who is uh uh on my my bike team uh she is a sanford sponsored athlete um and she basically just turned She's an amateur bike racer, but she races in in the pro one, two races. Okay. She's a cat one, which means she's the top. So she races with, with, if she goes to a big race, she races against the pros, whoever happens to be there. Well, she goes down to the quad cities, Burlington area this weekend. It's three big races down there this weekend. The, uh, snake alley criteria criterium, which is an amazing race where you got to climb up. If you've ever been to Burlington, the snake alley road. She gets, uh, she got ninth that day, which is good. Next day is the, the Melon City Crit. She gets uh, sixth in that race, and she had been on the breakaway, and got the, the, the pack caught her at, at the last corner. And then yesterday, she, she takes off, breaks away, wins the race. Wins the race down in uh, Davenport, the Davenport Village Crit, whatever it's called, uh, against... A lot of very accomplished women racers. And so congrats to Molly Clark Owen for going down there and, and winning the thing. She could like be a part of the cutters in breaking away. <laughs> she, <laughs> she could make could. the cutters. She could. Well, and she this is her first year of being uh, sponsored by Sanford, and that's a big deal. And so uh, congratulations to her and thanks to Sanford for, for giving her the chance because She's a former uh, Augustana uh, steeplechase runner, uh, was, you know, highly ranked and all that, very good athlete in college. And so she's been around here for a while, and now she's she had taken up bike racing a couple of years ago, and now she's killing it. Congratulations. Yeah. Here, here. Way to go, Molly. I, just wanted, I had to get that out there. Anyway, we've got a great show for you today, uh, folks. I hope you had a good weekend, by the way, Dan. Did everything go okay? Yeah, yeah, I got... I I didn't get out the bow saw though. I didn't oh, didn't okay. didn't cut up my my branches. Did you get hot. to the dump? No. He, oh, I forgot about the dump. Uh, so apparently everybody else had the same idea I did. And by the time I got over to Northview Bait and Tackle and U-Haul, the the trailers were all gone. Ooh. So friend of the show Matt Staub, who owns Northview over there, uh, yeah, we're, he's going to hook me up next weekend. I'm going to do it Saturday. But that's fine. It was so hot. So, but we did go, uh, we did do, JP and I did a little uh, run hike thing at Newton Hills on Saturday. It was so hot, but it was good training. It was fun. Rode the bike. Spent the whole weekend outdoors. Just awesome. Yeah. It just never happens on Memorial Day. I was just shocked. Usually raining at 42 degrees. Anyway, as I said, we got a great show for you today. I hope everybody is back in the swing of things. Uh, Manal Ali, who is a uh, Augustana University student. He is on a campaign to provide hygiene products to people who can afford them. He's uh, taking this up as his personal cause. It's a pretty cool story. He'll be here in the second hour. Blogger Corey Heidelberger of DakotaFreePress.com is here with us, as he is most Tuesdays, to chat about state politics. That's about four. The Common Man is our weird friend of the day. And I will have, oh, Deborah Owen. She's the public policy director for the Sioux Falls Chamber of Commerce. She's going to stop by about 345, and we're going to talk about some stuff that the chamber has going on concerning public policy. So that'll be fun. And uh, P&L statement. I have that just after the break. Today's topic, trade, 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 trade. Uh, you knew you knew it was coming, didn't you? I love the trade. That'll all be coming up right after this break. This is the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000 KSOO. <laughs> Everybody wants to relive 
uh, getting a little closer to free at 320 here on the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000 KSOO. And uh, as I said before the break, we're going to talk about trade and uh, three stories. Three stories today that I saw that are of interest to me regarding this topic. Uh, the first, of course, the news of the day uh, from the New York Times. White House moves ahead with tough trade measures on China. The Trump administration injected a fresh layer of uncertainty into its trade dispute with China on Tuesday, saying it would impose tariffs and other punitive measures on Beijing. After all, intensifying pressure on both countries as trade talks continue and as a summit between the United States and North Korea looms. But, you know, a week ago, uh, Treasury Secretary Steve Mnuchin said that the trade war with China was on hold and that tariffs would be suspended as talks continue. Now the White House issued a statement saying the United States would move ahead with its plan to impose 25% tariffs and $50 billion worth of imported Chinese goods within the next month. So, yeah, so there's that. We're back to, we're back to uh, rattling, that, rattling that saber. And as you heard, the market plunge. Now, you know, one day in the market, not that big a deal, right? Not going to change our lives, right? Well, there's some other parts of it that will. So that was the news of the day. And then I see uh, a story, front page of the Star Tribune today, the Twin Cities Daily up there, the Star Tribune, Star, the, 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 the Star Trib or the Strib, as we like to call it. Uh, stakes are high in soybean country if China adopts tariffs on U.S. agricultural exports. And they did this story out of Lake, Lake Benton up there in Lincoln County in Minnesota, just across the border from Brookings area, where they were talked to a bunch of soybean farmers and uh, did some other reporting. And I thought it was interesting because uh, one thing that I saw in this story was uh, China already canceling orders for beans. So uh, Seth Nave, he's a University of Minnesota Extension soybean agronomist who tracks trade issues, said it's not surprising that China has already cut off soybean purchases from the U.S. Quote, none of those buyers want to be on the line for buying any shipments of U.S. soybeans that could later come under a 25% tariff. He said there's such little margins in this whole business. So the deal is... Uh, and Cargill, you know, the big the big uh, uh, agriculture concern, one of the largest private companies in the world, sent a five-page letter to the U.S. Trade Representative recently expressing concerns about these tariffs. And uh, so there's uh, clearly uh, there's uh, uh, evidence that the uh, the CEO of agriculture trader Bungie Limited, said, which is one of the world's largest soybean shippers, confirmed in reports this month that a big cloud of uncertainty in the market has caused China to increase soybean purchases from Canada and Brazil at the expense of U.S. growers. It's interesting because China buys primarily from North America in the fall, South America in the spring. So we are not seeing the full hit of that yet. But as it's been noted, it's already affecting farmers here. And then I see the uh, Argus Leader Kello poll that came, part of which came out today. There's a lot of stuff there, but... Uh, 72% of Republicans still re support, they have a favorable opinion of Donald Trump. Now, the thing that surprises me the most in all this is how the president can maintain such strong support in the Republican Party when his trade policies have so much potential to damage our economy, the South Dakota economy. As we see in these stories, soybean exports, exports are a huge part of the agriculture industry. Orders are being canceled. Prices are already down. It's just not that, it's not that the policies are just bad. It's the rhetoric of the debate that's already taking money out of South Dakotan pockets. Whatever we gain from the tax cut is already lost in this trade war. And I've said this before, I'll say it again, the president is leveraging the blind faith of the corn and bean belt for political gain in the rust belt. It's just blatantly obvious. This really has nothing to do with party affiliation. It's a battle of philosophies between people who believe in global trade and those who don't, even within the White House. That's why you're seeing this back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. My opinion is that economics always wins. The invisible hand of the market is more powerful than any rhetorical tweet. As the Star Trib story notes, we have, a, we have spent a generation building trade relations around the globe. They don't come easy. They can't be one-sided. If there isn't economic benefit for China or any other country, they're, gonna, they're not going to play along because... Because we want them to. It just doesn't work that way. And yes, there are issues here. There are definite trade issues with China that need to be addressed. Intellectual property and outright theft of technology. Yes, we need to deal with those issues. But to think that China isn't going to pursue policies that are in the best interest of China, 
like their plans to be self-sufficient in technology by 2025 or whatever it is. That's naive. It's naive at the very least. This has the potential to go very bad for South Dakota and Minnesota and Iowa very fast. Our political leaders have been saying the right things lately, but they are saying them without urgency or fervor, choosing instead to not get on the wrong side of the tweeter-in-chief, eyeing the political stakes rather than fighting for the people of our state and our economy. I'm not saying that's easy or simple to do. It's not. But I'm surprised that it's not happening. Again, I don't think it's about being a Republican or Democrat. There are plenty of Republicans who believe this is a reckless gamble, and there are plenty of Democrats who favor isolationism as a tool to bolster American business and manufacturing. What I'm saying is that fighting against the natural and beneficial forces of basic economics is a bad idea. That's the bottom line on today's PL statement. You can agree or disagree with me. Just drop me an email, Patrick at KSO.com, or uh, drop in on the Twitter, P. Lally Show, maybe Facebook at KSOO. All good things. We'll be right back with the common man. This is the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000, KSOO. <laughs> Three thirty-four on the Patrick Lally Show. Information one thousand KSOO, and it's a little after three thirty, obviously. So this is when we have our weird friend of the day segment. Today's weird friend. Uh, Tuesdays are supposed to be the Boon Man, and you know he's been like notoriously unreliable lately. So it's the Common Man because the Common Man is reliable, right? Common. Oh, just like a thirty-eight hundred GM engine. <laughs> solid solid, solid as bulletproof awesome hey uh common have you uh been and i should say that you know the reason we originally created the common man persona of which you occupy so mm. so diligently and well was uh to write about politics remember that Oh, yeah. Way yep. back when? Back in the day, yeah. And yet we don't, you and I, we don't talk about politics that much, but have you been paying attention to the world of state politics recently? Well, you, you know, it's, it's, it's funny but because it's all very nice because a lot of the candidates, I mean, honestly, you could, for, for most of the candidates, you could throw a hat over all of them. Yeah. I mean, there's not, the, there's not a whole lot different. But as when push comes to shove, everybody's nice, and everybody. Then all of a sudden, you know, a week or so before the primary or before the election, oh, the gloves come off. <laughs> you know, and it's and it's funny. It's and it's funny to see the things that they land on. Yeah. You know, well, well, you know, uh, Dusty Johnson pulled the the tag off his mattress. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and then Dusty John, did you know? Did you know? Dusty Johnson. Yeah, Chantel Krebs. War white after Labor Day. <laughs> oh, yeah, God. and then you put uh, you know you put some dark uh, background to it, and uh, you know kind of make a character out of it, and there you go. P- politics as usual, right? Oh, it's so ominous too. It's like my goodness, you know. Yeah, and honestly, if you if you put all you know most of those candidates send down on a sheet of paper, it's like well, well, that's the other thing too, Patrick. I mean, what are we what are we doing here? All, all these three people. It's basically you know it's three. Um, for the Republican side, they're all mostly clones of each other in one way, <laughs> shape, or form. I mean, <clears throat> okay, so here's your political, here's your South Dakota political ad. I'm, uh, I'm, I'm against spending. I'm, uh, I'm for law enforcement, and and then for good schools. Mm-hmm. Okay, all right. Uh, anybody against that? Anybody? No. Raise your hand. No. no, nobody. No. I mean, I always think is the, the wheel of fortune rule should be in place, or or like if you think about your high school uh, geometry class. Yeah. There are rules that are given. You know, can we all, we, let's, let's, let's stipulate here, Your Honor, that we're all for good schools. We all don't think we should spend too much uh, uh, money. And we, you know, we, we, we kind of like to be, we, we think that law enforcement is pretty okay. Crime is bad. I think we can all agree on that. Mm-hmm. Now, you can't say those anymore. Those are gone. Now, tell me something different. Pick some letters that, that aren't 
a bunch of vowels in an L and an N. <laughs> yeah, that's right. And then spin, or spin the wheel? Like, yeah, spin the wheel. Because, because that's, that's the thing, is there's nothing to differentiate any of these folks and the arguments that they have. I mean, you're going, you have to go down to talking point eight or ten. Mm-hmm. before, And that's what I want to hear. I want to hear eight or ten. I don't want to hear the first, you know, the first four. They're the same between everybody. Yeah, and then, and oftentimes when it does get down there a little lower, it's still pretty amorphous. Like, you know, Christy, no, she's from Washington. <laughs> she is the problem, Marty. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. yeah, you know the last couple of years, Christy Noam has lived in Washington. Well, <laughs> That's right. Yeah, I guess so. I mean, <laughs> yeah, nothing changes. You know what I mean? Like that was that was John Thune v. Tom Daschle in nineteen or two thousand and four. Tom Daschle, he has a house in Washington. <laughs> you know, and that was a big deal in that campaign. It turned some votes. Could could have made a difference because uh, he signed a homestead tax credit in the district. Well, there you go. Some things. Oh, George McGard doesn't have a South Dakota driver's license. <laughs> they probably didn't even have driver's license. <laughs> oh, so you never know what it's going to be. You never know. Well, and, well it's, that's the funny thing. And if, if I had a dollar, what they should do is they should say, that if they're going to tax something, they should tax whether or not you can say, Drain the swamp in an ad, because if it, if they, they had to take a thousand dollars every time they said drain the swamp in an ad, South Dakota could pay for anything it wanted. To. <laughs> That's right. It's uh, these things become just straight up talking points, and it don't matter. And so it gets down to the end. People, well, not and the uh, you know that governor's rate. Well, I think they're all kind of close, but the governor's primary in the Republican Party is very close, and so you just never know what's going to resonate with that group of voters and uh so you, you start you, you know you get down to the end you get nervous you start shooting shooting just everything to hope that one of them falls out of the sky right uh, well that you know that and the governor ones it's, it's like uh the personable portion of the campaign you know let's let's see you know marty can't cook apparently <laughs> and christy can't dance but by golly she can ride a horse and shoot a gun and what else do you need to be be governor of South Dakota. No, and the other thing that kills me with with all these is, I will balance the. You have to balance the budget. You don't have any choice. It's against the law not to balance the budget. Everybody balances the budget. I will cut wasteful. Sp- There's no wasteful spending in South Dakota. <laughs> None. No, nobody's dumping barrels full of money in South. Well, and then and then the other point too is that if you're a congressman from South Dakota. You're going to go there and clean things up. Mm-hmm. You, you're the one, our one congressman, is going to go there and take South Washington by the horns and mm-hmm. just, by golly, get the, I'm getting the mop out and we're going to fix all this stuff. One person march on Washington. <laughs> Mr. Oh, Mr. Smith. Yeah, oh, Mr. Smith. Get on a tractor and drive, to, you know, that's, come on. Oh, that's good, yeah. Can I, I, yeah, ride, I'm going to drive my tractor all the way to Washington. And somewhere there's a closet of flannel shirts that these people <laughs> have rent for a while. No, they, they own their own flannel shirts. They just don't wear them all the time. <laughs> no, that's not fair. That's not fair at all. They're all good people. Oh, I, like I know it, but it's it's, it's so, so I mean, the, the, the political cycle in, in South Dakota is so, you know, it, it, it's the same old track ridden over and over again, mm-hmm. but it, it's what wins. That's so, right. you know, for a... The poor uh, Mr. Bjorkman and then Billy Sutton and those guys out there. I mean, it's it's you know talk about the the unknown comic. Mm-hmm. You know, you're, you're like you might as well have a bag over your head for for all the publicity you're getting and all the money you have to spend. So it's just like, well, uh, I'm running too. Um, yeah. Well, he can set himself on fire, not and not, not make the news. Week from today, we'll go through it and then we'll take a little break and then we'll do it some more. It'll be great. What else would we do? You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> how, do, how do local television stations stay afloat if That's right. elections? I, I appreciate the entertainment. <laughs> Common man, uh, as always, thank you very much. And, uh, you know, we don't got time for a joke today. We've got to get back to the jokes. Yeah, yeah. Well, we've kind of been a little spared in that. Well, there's been so much to talk about. Yeah, and, you know, I let the boon, the boon man had to go to just punchlines. Well, his are just all filthy. I, I know. Mean, he, even the punchlines aren't so good. <laughs> Some of the punchlines are negligible. That's right. (laughs) 
Uh, anyway, thanks a lot, Common Man. We'll talk to you very soon. You bet, Patrick. Take care. Coming up after the break, we're going to have Deborah Owen in studio. She is the public public policy director for the Sioux Falls Area Chamber of Commerce, and we'll chat about some stuff they got going on. This is the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000, KSOO. Three forty-six on the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000, KSOO. And I am very pleased to have in the studio with us today, Deborah Owen, who has a uh, long career in public policy around here, and most recently now working with the Sioux Falls Area Chamber of Commerce as the public policy director. Deborah, that's quite a title. It is. It's kind of long, isn't it? Oh, it's, it's a good one, I feel though. feel more it's... important than I probably am at this point. So. <laughs> <laughs> now, you just started this job when? Uh, December, about mid-December, and I was there for a few weeks and then took right off to Pier, uh, where I was there for nine weeks advocating on our members' behalf. Ah, uh, so you do the lobbying as well. I am a lobbyist, I know. That's okay. Yeah, that's I not know. a that's not a bad term here. No, nobody nobody actually looks at their baby after they've been born in the hospital at Avera or Sanford or Sanford or Avera, depending on which preference you like. I should point out that I have ecumenical as a state chamber wife <laughs> that I've had babies at each hospital. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah, that's not that many people can claim that. You <laughs> that's know? right. Same doc, but uh, nobody looks into those beautiful eyes, those newborn eyes, and says, you know, I I hope they grow up to be a lobbyist. <laughs> so. I, I see, am one, yes. I see public policy advocacy in their future. Um, <laughs> many hours standing around. Uh, so in that job, you do what, really? You you have you go to peer, but when you're not in peer, uh, you know, taking four showers a day because of the <laughs> atmosphere, we'll just say. Uh, yes. what, what What do you do? Uh, you know, we stayed pretty busy. Uh, we've done all of the candidate forums for the local election the, and school district, city council, mayoral. We had a mayoral debate that was uh, at the Orpheum Theater. And so we do a lot of those kind of events, mm-hmm. legislative coffees during session. Part of it is not only to engage our members in, in terms of what's going on in the public policy world, but also to those members in our community, kind of like a public service mm-hmm. for everyone. Now, I see uh, the chamber just took a position on Marcy's Law, uh, which is obviously an amendment. It's going to be on the June ballot, right? Yes. And Which is unusual. It is unusual. It's in a week. Yes. Uh, so the the uh, the changes to the original Marcy's Law that went into effect two years ago, um, You what, what do you guys want to do there? You, you for it or again it? You know, we uh, support the changes, uh, but I should, uh, to take voters back to the 2016 election, this was a crime rights um, uh, amendment that came actually through um, a member of South I mean, California, who mm-hmm. was a resident there, who brought and has brought this measure, if you will, this constitutional amendment change to a number of states across the country. South Dakota was one of the first. And um, there were some unintended consequences at the uh, as that law was implemented, and it was very costly to our state to do so. So this amendment comes along uh, through the legislature through a joint resolution. Um, and, and note that it has both those supporters of the original Marcy's Law in 26 and the opposers of the original Marcy's Law in, 19, er, in 2026, mm-hmm. or part, 2016, 2016, pardon me, <laughs> uh, together. So they both support this amendment. And this mm-hmm. amendment really clarifies some language. In particular, uh, victim is narrowed. You know, uh, before it was very broadly um, written. So if you were a, a observer of a crime, you might be considered a victim of the mm-hmm. crime. Now you have to be the one who is actually victim or a family member if the person is deceased or uh, just kind of really relates more closely to the victim, more narrowly drafted. Do you think, uh, what, what were the hard costs to the state of South Dakota? As you, you said, there were unintended costs, um, but a lot of what we heard too was access to information was severely limited. What do you, what were the hard costs and how does this fix that? You know, we've done just some local uh, review of that. I know with our Minnehaha County, uh, Aaron McGowan, when they first implemented this, it was $180,000 for employee salaries and benefits um, for three employees to help them uh, notify all of those who were victims. That was a much broader list than probably what it Mm -hmm. should have been, and to let them know their rights. They will continue to, if this passes, either way, they'll still continue to let people know their rights, but they'll be more narrowly tailored toward the actual victim who suffered the harm. Why should uh, average people, this sounds bad, why should I care if the chamber supports this? Well, I mean, I what's, thought, the, what's the link there? 
I thought you were above average, Patrick. So I'm not sure. <laughs> no, I am question. below. I am so far below average in so many ways. Um, I think we care because it will uh, reduce the costs of that. It also will ensure um, that some of the unnecessary portions of the legislation or the amendment to the Constitution in, in 2016 will be repealed and changed to really focus on what the goal was, victims' rights, letting them know. Um, but also one of the unintended consequences of Marcy's law in its original version is that law enforcement can't do like a crime stoppers. They can't notify the public if there's been a crime in a neighborhood. They can talk about a general vicinity, but they can't use that information to help solve crimes. So that would be really helpful for our communities, especially in neighborhoods where you have more of a challenge with some of those activities at night. Do you have any concerns about this being on a primary ballot instead of general? The first one was on a general. This one's on a primary. Not everybody's going to vote in a primary election. That is the tricky part. Uh, and I can tell you, um, I, with, the, with the support of the original Marcy's Law 2016, I hate to go back mm-hmm. to that, but that group funded this the 2016 election with $2.1 million in 2016. Mm-hmm. They had committed to inform the voters and get them out for the June 5th primary. And it, I know we've received a couple of mailings from them, but they're working to help the public know, just like those of us who support it. The county is supportive of this as well, Minnehaha County, I should say. Um, the Sioux Falls Area Chamber of Commerce encourages a yes vote. It is trickier, though, because independents generally don't vote in primary. Well, independents don't vote in primary, can't yeah, vote in right, Republican primaries. Right. Democrats can't vote in Republican primaries. Yes. There aren't that many Democrat primaries. Yes. And so, so Democrats are, in large measure, not going to be voting on June 5th. Well, we hope we hope that's not the case, but you're right. That could be one of the They could the go outcomes. vote for just this. Yes, they can go vote for just this. Okay. And actually, if you go to the Secretary of State's website and pull up their election information, you can look at your sample ballot. You just put in your name and, and a number, and they'll let you see your sample ballot. So you'll know who you're voting mm-hmm. on for that election yeah. in your district. Um, a couple other things you guys have going on. Deborah Owen, Public Policy Director for Sioux Falls <laughs> Area Chamber of Commerce, is uh, let's, you have a debate. You're hosting the Two. big gubernatorial debate on Thursday yes. night. That'll be oh fun. Oh, my gosh. It's huge. It's a 90-minute live debate. You can watch it on TV. You can watch it live streamed. Um, and then there'll be some analysis afterwards from commentaries, commentators. Is that right? Yeah. <laughs> Very good. Talking heads. I, obviously, that's not me. Um, and we'll have, we've taken some questions from members. Uh, it'll be business-related. This is maybe one of the few debates that'll be focused on business and education and economy mm-hmm. and rural areas in our state and how do we grow that. It's um, Thursday night at Thursday 7? Thursday night at 7 at and, the Orpheum Theater. And it's on the CW, which is KSFY's C, yep. secondary station there. That's, yep, that's Sponsored right. by KSFY and the Argus yep. Theater. We do ask that because it starts at 7 o'clock, that because it is live, that people will come in uh, a little before that and be seated by about 10 to 7. That'd be cool. You can go watch it at the Orpheum rather than some stale TV studio. That's right. right? That'd be awesome. Right. And uh, uh, Senator Rounds is in on Thursday. Senator Rounds, we're having for lunch, right, yeah. inside and Washington. Where, and where is that? Uh, the convention center. Awesome. And people can go to that too, right? Yes, that's going to be a great time too. There'll also be, there'll be some Q&A with the moderator, Tim Rave, who's the P- director of public policy from Sanford. Mm-hmm. But also there'll be questions from the audience as well. So if you want to ask your senator a question, come to the luncheon. Great. Uh, Deborah Owen, she's public policy director for the Sioux Falls Area Chamber of Commerce. And she's going to come back when we have more time, right? Yes. Awesome. We're g- <laughs> and we are going to come right back after a short break here. This is the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000 KSOO. A public service announcement with guitar. Three fifty-eight on the Patrick Lally Show. Information one thousand KSOO. And coming up this Saturday, the five K Purple Stride for Pancreatic Cancer. Eight thirty a.m. at Cherry Rock Park, eighteen hundred East Eighteenth Street. This event is one of the largest sources of funding for the Pancreatic Cancer Action Network. For more information, go to the events calendar at KSOO.com. Coming up after the news and weather with Mr. Dan Peters, blogger Corey Heidelberger of DakotaFreePress.com will be with us on the phone. We'll chat about politics. This is the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000 KSOO. Four oh six on the Patrick Lally Show. Information 1000 KSOO. And I am very happy to have on the phone from the great city, the hub city of Aberdeen, up there, way up there in Brown County, Mr. Corey Heidelberger. 
as we do most Tuesdays. Corey, thanks for being here today. Patrick, thank you for having me. Glad to be here. So uh, things since we last talked last week um, have gotten rather heated uh, in the Republican primary, your friends in the Republican Party, uh, in terms of both the uh, the the major races there, the House and the governor's race, but it's uh, it's interesting, isn't it? How it's become. I suppose this isn't too surprising. How it's gotten a little uh, uh, chippy here in the end, is it? Yeah. Well, no. I think it's just like you know the media has you know obituaries for certain famous celebrities who are getting on in years, so they're they're ready to bring them out the moment it happens. Mm-hmm. I think they can do the same with primaries because the line we hear the primary race race turns ugly. It always turns ugly at about this time. So I think the news folks have that set on their computer as like a template, and they just fill in whatever negative attacks are coming in at the end. And of course, they wait for the end because when you get these juicy attacks like so-and-so voted for this, or this is terrible, or this and that, you don't want to give the opposition a lot of time to respond to it. You want to catch them by surprise, blow them up, catch all the voters in and out, and win the election if you can. Yeah, they've been coming fast and furious. And when you say that uh, when you say that the uh, media has obits already written, it seems like the campaigns maybe have their press releases already written because they'll come one on top of another and ads and everything else. Uh, oh, sure. Trying you to bet. differentiate. Um, but it's, you were, we were talking a little bit uh, last week, I think, about this, this sort of uh, effort to out-conservative each other a little bit and mm-hmm. some folks who have gotten involved in that. Um, what, what, what do you make of that? It, it, tell me a little bit more about some of these folks who have uh, uh, come up with the conservative scorecards. Yeah, well, this, there, there are two prongs to this, really. Uh, first, last week, a group based mostly in Rapid City, they're called Citizens for Liberty, and they've been active, I think, really since the Tea Party movement back in 2010. I think they were kind of an offshoot of that. You know, they're friends with Gordon Howie, who was a longtime conservative legislator. Now they've got uh, Julie Fry Mueller as a legislator from, Pier, or from Rapid City. Excuse me. Her husband is director of this group. And there's another kind of cluster of conservatives out there who are pretty active, who push this group. And over the last couple of years, they've done what I would call kind of some decent blog work. They, they go and pick out a number of bills from each legislative session, and they kind of make their judgment saying, okay, this bill, you'd vote yes if you're a conservative. You'd vote no if you're a you know, godless atheist heathen trying to destroy America or whatever their criteria are. <laughs> And then they go through the voting records for every legislator, assign them points, and they do a full scorecard. Now, is it subjective? You betcha. Is it comprehensive? Not at all. There's lots of bills they don't even touch. So this scorecard might exaggerate differences and ignore a lot of the commonalities, that you know, things we can all agree on. But they provide some data and say, look, folks, on these conservative bills, you know, and they're heavy on the, you know, on, on, you know, religious issues and abortion and guns and things like that. But they can say, on these bills, here's exactly how these people have voted head-to-head. Here's the score they get. Here's who's conservative. Here's not. Is it, do you, when you look at it, do you just see, well, those people actually are conservative? But, or is it leaving some folks out because by being subjective, they are essentially picking and choosing the people they, they like, whether they're conservative in their voting record or not? Well, let me give you an example. I mean, when, when I look at it, yes, certainly kind of the usual suspects for arch conservatism end up at the top. The scorecard they released last week, uh, the, the top, there are no surprises at the top. The top 10 are people we recognize. Just, you got Stace Nelson at the top, Lance Russell, Phil Jensen, Jenna, Jenna Hager-Netherton, Neil Tapio. By this scorecard, they're the most conservative members of the Senate. And I would tend to agree they'd fall in the category that I'd call the, the, the wing nuts, the people who are going to vote for hard right-wing stuff. So in that regard, it's accurate. The funny stuff comes when you get down at the bottom. Well, even you go lower, mm-hmm. the six Democrats in the Senate don't end up as the six at the bottom of the card. Really? Um, really. The, the three mo- of the, let's see, the, the, the three most, I guess the three least conservative senators are all Republicans. Jim White from Huron, Deb Peters from Hartford, hmm. and Larry Tiedemann from Brookings. Really? Now, Their scores are like, I mean, it's a 100-point scale. Yeah. White, Peters, and Tiedemann have scores between 23% and 17% versus like Stace Nelson and Lance Russell who are up above 90%. 
So what's it? What issues are getting them low marks from these guys? Well, a lot of what happens is when you get revenue bills. Yeah. You know, basically, the Citizens for Liberty take the position that if you vote to increase any tax or to spend any money, you're not a conservative. And so things like, sorry, I don't have a good example on this year's right offhand, Mm -hmm. but things like in the past, like the road tax bill we did in 2015 Mm -hmm. or the sales tax bill that we did in 2016 to raise teacher pay, Mm -hmm. those are automatic no voters. And You know, those are the things that pass because the Republican leadership votes for them. And so that's the kind of thing that gets folks like, especially Deb Peters and Larry Tiedemann, who are on the Appropriations Committee and thus vote for all sorts of spending bills. That's what sandbags them. Basically, if you want to spend money on government, your score goes down on this sheet. That's interesting. So now the other thing that is happening out there is, uh, and we'll talk about Chantel and Dusty after the break, but... The 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 role that uh, current governor Danny Dugard, the GWD, is playing in this election, he's he's pumping some money into the moderates, right? Right, and and not not so much in the statewide races because Dugard right. early on said he was going to endorse uh, Dusty Johnson. He said that last year. Nobody's surprised about that. Um, Dugard has used his campaign fund to put one thousand dollars behind Dusty this year. Yeah. Okay. Now, keep in mind, that's a thousand bucks out of a million dollars that Dennis Dugard is still sitting on in his Mm. campaign fund. Whoa. So where's all the rest? He's never going to use. He said he's not going to run for anything. So Dugard has a million bucks. He can pour into whatever he wants. He gave Dusty a thousand, which is nice. Yeah. But in addition to that, Dugard has also intervened or, uh, and some would say endorsed, but he hasn't, he hasn't done a uh, public ad for them, but he's given a thousand dollars to, I think just under a dozen, uh, legislative candidates. Hmm. They're all Republicans. And I believe most of them face primaries. So, and governor Dugard has done this before where he's, he's intervened in a Republican primary and said, I like this Republican more than that Republican. And so there's about a dozen of these candidates, some of whom face Republican challengers, that he's given $1,000 to each one of them for their primary race. That's interesting. And so Dugard then, in some corners of the Republican Party, is cast as you know, not conservative, right? I mean, that's oh, now the tag that he's going to get for doing that. Very much so. And that's exactly what's prompted the Citizens for Liberty and the legislators who kind of travel along with them in their very hard-right conservative views mm-hmm. to form their own caucus and their own pack. They even said in their press release that they put out this morning that the straw that broke the, the camel's back, or the final straw, excuse me, their final straw was Dennis Dugard's renewed heavy financial support for what they call some of the worst liberal Republicans in the primary elections over conservatives, because they're looking beyond Dusty. They're not as worried about Dusty in congressional races. Mm-hmm. This conservative group, they're looking at legislative races, and the I, I counted them up. The Republican legislators that Dugard is backing have an average score on the conservative scorecard of 36.6%. <laughs> Compared to, you know, 100 being conservative, yeah. 0% being like me, um, they're not doing very well. Dugard's pick. So clearly they're mad at Dugard for backing, you know, people who I'd call moderate Republicans, people who the Conser- Citizens for Liberty and the Conservative Republican Caucus would call liberals, which I find to be an insult to liberals, but, well, that's your marketing for you. <laughs> you know, it's it's all in the eye of the beholder, right, Corey? Right. You know, you right. just... It, these, these labels don't mean much from different perspectives, but we'll try and figure it out anyway. Uh, Corey Heidelberger, we're going to come right back and chat more about the House primary for sure, and maybe we'll get a little governor, but House primary for sure. This is the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000 KSOO. Four twenty-one on the Patrick Lally Show, Information One Thousand KSOO, and we continue our conversation with blogger Corey Heidelberger at Free Press Dakota FreePress.com. He's based up there in Aberdeen. Corey, uh, the, the the Chantel Krebs v. Dusty Johnson race has, uh, as we said, gotten a little crazy. We we're talking about uh, Dugard and his role here. I saw an email today from the Krebs campaign, really trying to tie Dusty to Dugard as this sort of uh, uh, 
you know, anti-Trump sort of amnesty. They, they threw in some immigration, all this different stuff. It's mm-hmm. very interesting. They're trying to create a uh, a Trump divide in the congressional race by using Governor Dugard. It's all wild. What is going on there? Yeah, well, it, there, there's there's really interesting strategy going on here. Um, first, I'll say it's interesting that Chantel has turned all this fire on Dusty, and I'm going to say kind of encouraging because what we've seen so far has looked like Chantel trying to out-Trump Neil Papio as mm-hmm. if she had to compete with him for votes. But the debate they had on public TV last Thursday or last week said pretty clearly Chantel is focusing entirely on Dusty. She sees it as a two-way race, and Dusty sees it as a two-way race. Neither of them even mentioned poor Neil off in the corner, <laughs> who's left, you know, all he's got now is to run ads with a nice little old lady from Spearfish saying he's good-looking. So <laughs> Tapio appears not to be a factor in either Chantel's or Dusty's calculus. But, yeah, so now Chantel is thinking her route to beat Dusty is to try to somehow saddle him with that same sort of call it Trumpist, call it, you know, the Citizens for Liberty scorecard we talked about mm-hmm. in the first segment there. She's trying to appeal to that sentiment of those folks who think Dennis Dugard is a liberal. Again, I need to point out to our listeners and everybody else that I'm a liberal. I know liberal. And Dennis Dugard is no liberal. Let's be clear about that. (laughs) But it's a Republican primary, so facts are not of concern. It's about the image and how well Chantel sells it, and she sees a chance to do it. Unfortunately, Chantel's effort to paint Dusty as a liberal by association with Dennis Dugard leads to some really crazy statements like she made in the debate last week. She made this... Go ahead. Sorry. No, go ahead. I was going to say, she made this uh, argument, and I'll use quote marks around that, in the debate Thursday where she said, well, Dusty was Dennis Dugard's chief of staff. And Dennis Dugard vetoed the no permit concealed carry bill in 2017. Dennis Dugard then endorsed Dusty Johnson. Therefore, Dusty Johnson hates the Second Amendment. That's a long way to go. (laughs) <laughs> That's a long way to go. Yes, and you the, understand. I mean, yeah, it's the, so Dugard endorses Dusty, and because Dugard vetoed a bill, Dusty hates the Second Amendment. Yeah. Even Dusty at the debate said, look, I'm a member of the NRA. I like to shoot stuff. Um, it, it, it leads to some stretches. But, you know, that's the thing. They're going to grab the Dugard liberal brush, and they're going to try to paint him with it. So I understand what Chantel is doing. It's just sometimes it leads to crazy things. Yeah, and then there's this connection from the folks who uh, sent out the postcards with that weren't very nice with uh, with Chantel on there and made some, you know, kind of, there was voting records to, to back it up, but it was, a, the, the timelines were very strange and everything else. And she's saying, oh, those people are uh, never Trumpers and they sent that out uh, against me. So that must be Dusty and he must be a never Trumper. Well, and, and yeah, I'm not, I don't get that response from her because the big cards I've seen, and they're big cards. They're not just little postcards. They're like a whole sheet of paper size that comes yeah. in the mail for you. And it calls, like the one I'm looking at right here, it says, Chantel voted a, a tax for thee, a raise for me. And it complains about Chantel voting for higher taxes all over the place. And I thought, well, this is stuff that comes from like kind of even the group, the pack that's doing it is a very hardcore Tea Party kind of Trumpist group. So it doesn't sound to me like like never Trumper stuff. It sounds to me like arch conservative stuff, like our friends, the Citizens for Liberty, yeah. even though it's an out of state group. Funny thing is, they're accusing Chantel of raising taxes. I thought it was a Tapio attack, and actually, it's Dusty Johnson now who's getting on that horse and riding it. <laughs> Dusty Johnson in the debate last week, and he'll probably do it again in the debate tonight, and in a separate press release, has been saying Chantel Krebs voted to raise taxes or voted to raise over 200 taxes and fees. And they have a spreadsheet, and they go down and they tick off every bill that Chantel voted for when she was in the legislature from 2007, I think, until 2014. And sure, she voted for a whole bunch of different, you know, tax increases and fee increases. But it's not, you know, Trumpist arts conservatives arguing that. It's people, it's Dusty Johnson arguing that now and making the same argument that the Citizens for Liberty do on their scorecard, that if you vote for any tax increase, you're bad, evil, and liberal and shouldn't win. <laughs> uh, Corey, my head hurts. Just, oh, just trying to draw... My apologies, to... but how do you think I feel watching what Dusty <laughs> and Chantel are arguing about? I can't tell 
who's on whose side. They're yeah. calling Dusty the Dugard liberal, but Dusty's calling Chantel the tax-raising liberal. Well, you know, and it's all for a very select group of people because when it comes down to it, whose votes are you going to be changing with these arguments late in the game like this? It, it's it's going after the, the, the very conservative elements of the, the Republican Party and trying to make this argument over who's more conservative. It's, it's, a, it's a tough game to play, admittedly. Yeah, oh, and I'm sure there's all sorts of interesting math going on in the background where they're trying to figure things out, like, you know, who are we going to win, who are we going to lose on that? Mm-hmm. I would suggest, I mean, it has struck me that in a Republican primary, I understand there's a base out there, a conservative base, like the Citizens for Liberty and kind of the Liz May, Stace Nelson wing of the party who don't like Dennis Dugard. Mm-hmm. But it still seems to me like, you know, Neil Tapio's done this directly and Chantel's attacks on Dugard kind of do this, too. It doesn't seem to me a good idea to walk into a Republican primary and be talking smack about the highest ranking Republican in your state, Dennis Dugard. Yeah. It seems to me in the end, that's going to lose you a few more primary votes than it's going to win. I just don't think it's worth the risk. Yeah. But now Dusty is kind of playing you know, he's doing that well. He's not going to insult Dugard. He gave him, uh, Dugard gave him money, and he's the boss. Yeah. But Dusty's also able to grab just enough of that conservative rhetoric to say, taxes? Hmm, look what Chantel voted for. Boom. And then they can get in a fight in that. So, yeah, yeah. it's a very complicated game. Well, we'll be watching when the numbers start coming in a week from today, and uh, ho- hopefully we'll have you on the show. I don't know what we're going to talk about. We'll just have to. We'll just we'll just sit in nervous anticipation for twenty minutes. We'll make we'll make predictions. How's that? Yeah, cool. I like that. Corey Heidelberger, thanks a lot for being here, and we'll talk to you next week. Thank you so much. Have a great day, Patrick. You can catch Corey's work at DakotaFreePress.com, and he'll be back hopefully next Tuesday. We're going to be back right after the news and weather with Mr. Dan Peters. This is the Patrick Lally Show. Information one thousand K S O O. 436 on the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000 KSOO. And we have in the studio today a young lady from Augustana University. Her name is Manal Ali. And uh, Manal, thank you very much for coming in today. Thank you for having me. Um, You are here because, well, first of all, I should say we first met Oh, when was that? Just a few years ago. Two years ago. Two years ago, yeah. you were an Argus Leader Academic All-Star. Yes, Is that sir. correct? Yep. And uh, you left uh, Harrisburg High School and went on to Augustana University. Now, after that very uh, 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 important and uh, <laughs> cool award, uh, what have you been doing with yourself? Oh, boy. I've been doing a lot. I was pre-med at Augustana for a little bit. Then I went through organic chemistry, and I had a bit of a heart attack and then switched my fields <laughs> to government and sociology. So currently studying that, been very involved in politics within Augustana and outside Augustana, doing work with a lot of organizations, and one of them is what I'm here to talk about today. Yeah, I had that same experience with organic chemistry. <laughs> it'll, it'll change your mind on your career field pretty fast. Yeah. People who can get through that are, are uh, better than my, better than me. Um, but so now you're working, and I find this very interesting. You have formed a group called HAPPY, right? Mm-hmm. And what does that stand for? So HAPPY stands for Healthy, Accessible Prevention and Protection for You. And it's basically an organization aimed at providing free menstrual products to individuals on Augustana campus. And it's completely free. Nobody pays for it. It's available in a majority of the bathrooms on campus. And why did you do this? What made you think, hey, here's a need? Well, it's a bit of a personal struggle where I went through a rough patch, especially during sophomore year, where I couldn't really afford it. I didn't have time to go out and buy products, and I was often assorting to just um, paper towels and Mm -hmm. tissues. So I personally didn't want to go through that problem again and again, and I didn't want other people to go through it as well. And I talked to some international students on campus who said that, even they, they don't have transportation means. And with the minus 30, whatever weather we have mm-hmm. going on outside, it's just really hard. Um, and that was kind of the basis for why this started is just to provide access to really necessary things for everyday life. And uh, what, what's been the response from first the, uh, the university and the university community? 
The university has been incredible. The people that I've talked to have been really instrumental in setting this up and talking to other individuals. For example, my um, mentor and friend, Mark Blackburn at Augie, has been very um, helpful in getting people on board and telling them about it. My advisor for the group, Dr. Sally Maloa, she's a biology professor. She is always checking in on if things are stocked, if everything's ready, and just the overall student population has been very accepting and um, they use it, so it's been rewarding in that sense. Do you run into problems with with the university or anybody because it's it's a sensitive topic. Mm-hmm. Um, when you start talking about menstrual sanitation products, people are like, um, I gotta go. Uh, but did you run into that at all, or was pe- because it's a, a university community, people are a little more uh, open and, and understanding? Did you find any barriers to trying to get this program going? We definitely did. The response when it comes to menstrual products, I find, is ironic, seeing as they're very key to all of us being here. Menstruation is a part of somebody's life uh, whether indirectly or directly but we've had people like when we had a sign-up sheet outside and we were showing what we were gonna do for the springtime we had men coming up and being like oh that doesn't pertain to me so I'm not gonna sign the poster and I'm not gonna talk about it because I don't want anything to do with it that's a girl's thing and um, we also had some individuals who were very worried about the money and how we're gonna fund it But overall, um, I think the negatives of it have definitely been overcome with the um, positives of the community. Cool. We're going to come right back and talk with Manal Ali about her group, Happy, at Augustana University and, uh, you know, what you can do to help and, and some of the other challenges of university life. That's all coming up next on The Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000 KSOO. Clouds will blow away. 4.45 on the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000 KSOO. And we return to our conversation with Manal Ali. She is an Augustana University, soon to be junior, just polished off her sophomore <laughs> year. And you were telling me, Manal, off, uh, off air, you have quite a summer ahead of you. You want to tell the good people what you're going to be doing? Yes, I'll be going to Norway for a scholarship called Peace Scholars Program, and I'll just be studying there in Lillehammer and Oslo and meeting people from around the world, talking about how to resolve peace conflicts, and yeah. And that's uh, through because Augie is connected to the Nobel Peace Forum. Yeah, they're a Lutheran institute, so there's like six Lutheran schools that are all connected and do it through the Nobel Peace Forum. So yeah. Well, that's going to be quite the adventure. Yeah, so you're just going to spend the, spend the summer in Europe? Just casual. <laughs> That's a great experience. You're going <laughs> to love it. Um, so your organization, HAPPY, which, again, stands for? Healthy Accessible Prevention Protection for Youth. There you go. It's uh, uh, You provide uh, help provide free uh, menstrual products, sanitary products, or hygiene products, I should say, mm-hmm. to uh, women on campus at Augustana University. Uh, so how much money have you raised, and how much product have you had to uh, and how does that work where do you get the products i mean how does this organization work in the nuts and bolts so the organization is a chapter of period which is a national organization that my friend nadia created and basically through that organization we partner with aunt flow which is a company that creates and distributes these products aunt flow like a-u-n-t yes aunt flow And through that, we get cheaper products. And right now for the donations, we've only achieved $130, I think. Mm -hmm. We don't really have a goal right now. We've asked our student government to fund us, so they funded us for $500, which we used all $500 to buy 2,000 tampons and 500 pads. Um, And that's lasted us two months, I believe, because we started our project in April, mid-April. And they, we still have a lot of products left, so it's not very expensive, and it's very useful to the campus. But people can still donate, right? Yes. And how do they do that? Um, there's a link called augielink, L-I-N-K dot com slash happy, H-A-P-P-Y. And if you go there, you just fill out a form, and you can donate. Um, really simple process, and it goes, all the profits go to creating baskets for the products or buying products themselves. 
And so you place these in, in restrooms around yes. campus, like all the restrooms on campus. Not all the restrooms because we don't have enough money to do that yet. So <laughs> You're getting there. Yes. If we do get donations, then they would be in all restrooms. But right now they're in one restroom in each academic building, and we just bought baskets to put them in each bathroom of those academic buildings. And so when you say basket, you actually have one here with you that yes. uh, you can see on our Twitter feed at P. Lally Show and a picture of Manal. And it's a, essentially a, a box, right? Yeah, it's a box and it has one big section for about 10 pads and mm -hmm. then two box sections for tampons. Yeah. And so uh, what do you hope will happen here? Is this, you know, you're coming back for your junior year and then you then you go to, you know, you go back to Europe or whatever <laughs> and you'll move on. Uh, is, is, what's your What's your hopes and dreams here? Well, my hope is that this organization spreads to many different places within Sioux Falls, within the country, whatever. I just really hope that people carry this on because they need to see that there's a connection between menstrual products and providing hygiene products for women and education and the overall health of a country itself because the connections are there. So I really want through this program to spread it to high schools, maybe even middle schools or other um, universities in town and have them take it on because it's really necessary. And all of our products are 100% organic, so not only are they free, but they're also really healthy for you. Um, you're not putting random toilet paper or bad stuff or plastic into mm -hmm. you. So, yeah. Um, it's, uh, uh, so if, if a student at another college or university, USF or w whether uh, USD, SDSU, whoever, DSU, I always leave DSU out, <laughs> but they're a fine institution. Uh, if they want to get involved with the project, how do they do that? They can contact me. You'll find me very active on Twitter, or you can find me um, through my email, which is M-A-N-A-A-L-H-A-L-I at Gmail. Manal H. Ali. Mm -hmm. That's your name. Yeah. Cool. And at Gmail. And uh, uh, you said you're active on Twitter. What's your Twitter handle? My <laughs> Twitter handle is kind of lame. Um, it's underscore Manal underscore yo. That's tough. That's you know what we're gonna do. We're gonna have to find that. We're gonna put that on our Twitter feed at P Lally Show, because yeah. I know the pain. Because <laughs> my personal Twitter feed is at is uh, bald underscore uh, n underscore surly, <laughs> and I you know I wasn't thinking when I did it that I would have to be typing underscores, and now I'm stuck with it. Yeah, me either. I didn't think when I was in high school or middle school. <laughs> See these decisions that you make about your social media when you're, you know, 15 years old, they'll follow you for they life. They transfer, they go far. Um, and so you're going to Europe this summer. Um, and then uh, you're working, kind of working in public health now. Is that, what do you want to do ultimately uh, with your life, Manal? <laughs> That's a big question. Uh, I'm not really sure. I really want to go into government policy, do something that will make a difference, which I think a lot of people say, but that's the only thing I can say right now. I want to help people realize that there's connections um, and intersections between a lot of things. For example, like I just said, there's intersections between health, education, and women, and the economics even of a country. So I want to work in a field that's diverse and help women yeah. specifically. Yeah. Well, that's awesome. Uh, Manal Ali, she is a uh, the founder. Would you call yourself the founder? Is that the founder of Happy? Yeah. Which is uh, bringing free feminine hygiene products to bathrooms around the Augustana campus. And if you want to learn more, you want to help, you go to augielink.com backslash happy. Or what's your email again? Give people the email again. ManalHLE at Gmail. There you go. Uh, and, you know, get involved, people, and uh, help out Manal. She's, uh, she's doing a great thing there at Augustana University. Uh, Manal, thank you very much for coming in to the show today. And, uh, you know, keep us up to date. Send us some... Uh, Get follow P. Lally show on Twitter and like drop us some photos from, you know, Norway. <laughs> Sounds good. What are you going to do in Norway? I am going to do like peace conflict talks and study international politics for six weeks and just a lot of government politics stuff. Do you get to have any fun? Uh, for sure. Okay. Norway seems like a really fun country. Lots of hiking. 
Yes. So I might come back really buff. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. That sounds like a good plan. Uh, again, thanks for being here and, and good luck to you. Thank you. Thank you for having me. We'll be back right after a short break. This is the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000, KSOO. Four fifty-six on the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000, KSOO. And I want to tell you about something else that's coming up this weekend. Saturday, it's the Great Strides Walk. It is a benefit for Cystic Fibrosis Foundation, 9 a.m. at Riverdale Park. Raise awareness for this rare genetic disease that makes it difficult to breathe and shortens lives. For more information, find that event along with anything else going on in town at the KSO calendar at KSO.com. You know, I think the uh, at 8.30 is the Pancreatic Cancer Walk. At 9, at, at uh, uh, Cherry Rock, Riverdale being just across the river from Cherry Rock, the, 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 the Great Strides Walk is going on. So I don't know if there'll be, you know, like a big traffic jam out there on the bike trail. But, you know, be careful out there, everybody. There can be a lot of people out on the trails. And uh, every once in a while, you got to slow down a little bit. Make sure you don't run anybody over. And if you've got two big walks going in either direction, it's going to make it a little tougher. Just be patient. They're, they're out there for a good cause. You know, your exercise will be fine. You'll get your time in. But it's, uh, I've been out there recently. This has been busy. Saturday is busy out on the trail. So everybody's going to be very careful. I think we're going to talk about that with the smart cyclist on Thursday. Bike trail safety. Because we ran out of time last week, so we're going to do that. Are there going to be, like, traffic signals going to be needed for, for people on the bike trails? I Well, I think just, uh, you know, I don't want to say there's a speed limit, but we're going to talk about a lot of stuff. I mean, sometimes you just got to slow down. Because sometimes you can go fast. If you're out by the airport and you're alone, you can go as fast as you want. But, you know, if you're over by Spencer Park and there's 62 dogs around and a bunch of kids on bikes, you gotta you just got to slow down because you hurt yourself more than anything. You crash, that's bad. You hit a dog and crash, the dog's going to be fine. Well, maybe. But yeah, they, yeah. you don't want to you know, paint that with too broad a brush. There, <laughs> there could be damage on both sides of that. That's right. Anyway, we'll be back tomorrow here on the Patrick Lally Show. We've got, uh, uh, who do we got tomorrow? I can't even remember. I don't remember. I'll, I'll let you know tomorrow. This is the Patrick Lally Show. Information 1000 KSOO. Oh,